0: Amen. All sons of God, through faith in Christ Jesus, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Father, we thank you again that uh, we're going to witness a, a baptism shortly. Thank we thank you for the preparation that Mark, uh, Martin has made, that, uh, the, the words that you've given him. Mm. And Lord, we, we just long that each one of us would hear from you this morning. And that uh, your Holy Spirit would guide us, so that we, we don't just hear, um, but that we are doers of the word. Yeah, thank you. Amen. 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 I'm really uh, quite delighted this morning to... Uh, that we've got to this point in the journey with Steve and Sue because I've been here nearly 12 years and you've, you guys have been here longer than me and uh, they've been Christians uh, longer than I've been here and uh, so it's taken, a, it's taken a while to get here but I've so looked forward to this day with you both and uh, what a joy to share in this, I'm, I'm just glad I'm still here to uh, you know, to see this day. but. Uh, you know, it's, it's a joy, and uh, thank you for letting us share in your party and your celebration. I would just say there is, there is cake through there afterwards, so you're all, please do come and share some cake and coffee and tea with us uh, through in the lounge um, afterwards. We had, a, we had a phone call uh, this morning about quarter past eight, which is always a worrying time in the morning to receive a phone call, isn't it? You know, you're wondering, uh-oh, what's happened? And it was, it was Tony saying there's a problem with the baptism pool. So immediately in my mind I'm thinking all the water's drained out and we've got no water. Because it takes quite a lot of time to fill that pool. It takes a couple of days actually to fill that thing. And um, I was thinking paddling pool, you know. <laughs> we anybody got a paddling pool, or that kind of. Actually, strangely it was the opposite problem. Tony said... Do either, do either of your kids want to go swimming this morning? Strange request. He said, but we've got too much water in the, in the baptism pool, and uh, there's a danger that with three men in there, you know, we could have a flood in New Hall as well as in other parts of the country. It was literally right up. So um, he wanted um, Sam to, to put uh, goggles on and to swim down to the bottom and to... Um, Pull the plug out and just let a little bit of water go. Um, anyway, Tony, being an engineer, managed to uh, pull the pull the, ch- the plug out with a chain, but also to he created a suction apparently in the pool by moving an oar around in the water that caused the plug to be sucked back into the hole. Is that right, Tony? So I think round of applause for Tony. Actually, thank you. <laughs> Tony's up on the balcony doing sound, so uh, thank you, Tony, uh, for doing that. We really, really appreciate it. I'm I'm even more hopeful it's going to be warm enough for all of us. Um, Hopefully, by letting some water go, it might just heat up a bit more quickly. Um, We we live in hopes. Um, (laughs) As I've said, baptism is the outward sign of an inner transformation in the heart. So Steve and Sue, as you've heard, have already made the decision to turn away from living for themselves and to turn and follow Jesus Christ. They've come to the cross and they've recognised that Jesus paid uh, the debt, the price for their sin, and has forgiven them at the cross. And they've trusted in Jesus and his work in the cross and resurrection. And as a result, they have been forgiven and they have received the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, living in them. Um, so for Steve and Sue, this is the outward public declaration that they now belong to Christ and they've committed, they're committing their whole lives to loving and following and serving Him. So it's kind of the going public bit of, of being a Christian. They're nailing their colours to the mass this morning and saying to, to friends and family, this is who I am now. I am a child of God. I am a son of Jesus and I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. So it's a big deal. Um, But the reason I chose this little passage in Galatians was because Sue's favourite song is um, I Am a Child of God, um, which has particular sort of uh, meaning for the family as well, um, I know. And uh, you did well this morning (laughs) too to hold it together. But that song talks about being an adopted child of God. And so when I was thinking of texts, it was a no-brainer for me, really, because Paul in Galatians 3 links together adoption with baptism. You know, he talks about being adopted as sons of God. And he says, for you are all baptised into Christ. That's a strange way of putting it, isn't it? Why does he say baptised into Christ? Is it that Jesus is kind of hiding under the floorboards here in the water? And so when we baptize them, they're kind of, Jesus is mysteriously, magically in the water? No. I don't think that's what um, Paul means by being baptized into Christ. Does it mean that somehow through the act of baptism, that they are mysteriously joined to Jesus or united with him? Does it mean that? No. They've already been united to Jesus. They've already been joined to Jesus. What Paul means is that baptism is the outward sign that they have already been joined to Jesus Christ through faith in him. And the Holy Spirit lives in them, and it's the Holy Spirit who unites or joins them to Christ by faith. Right? Does that make sense? So Paul says, you have been baptised into Jesus Christ. You belong to him. You are united to him. You are joined to him. Um, Let me uh, illustrate. Um, Whether you're a, I don't know, whether you're a footballer, rugby player, netball player, basketball, whatever your hockey, whatever your sport is, imagine that... um, The captain of your team scores the points or the goal that wins the match, all right? Now, obviously, the captain is going to celebrate because they're the ones, personally, who've scored the winning goal or the winning points, right? But who else gets to share in the victory? The team. So do you see how it works? We are on, as Christians, we're on the Jesus team. Our captain has scored a victory by dying on a cross and paying for our sin and being raised from death, showing that our sin has been fully paid for. And we, on the Jesus team, get to share in the victory, because we're on his team, right? So all the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection belong now to the Christian. All the victory that Christ won over sin and death and evil belongs to Steve and Sue. So what is that victory that they share in? What are the benefits of being a Christian that you get to share in? Well, this Paul tells us. In a moment, you're going to see Steve and Sue go right underneath the water and be covered over. Now, that is symbolic of Jesus being covered over in the tomb. It, this is like a watery grave. And the water covers the person over, and it's symbolic of them dying to the power of sin. So just as Jesus physically died and his body was laid in a tomb, so Stephen Sue are saying, look, I'm dead to the old way of living. No longer am I going to live for myself, independently of God. I'm choosing to die to that old way of life, and I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And the power of sin was broken at the cross. Now that doesn't mean that you don't have a battle as a Christian with sin, You know, we still get tempted, we still sin, don't we? What it means is that the power of sin over you has been broken. In other words, you no longer are a slave to sin. Whereas before, you couldn't help but sin, now, the power of sin has been broken. You don't have to sin. Um, It's not inevitable that you will sin, because no longer are you a slave to the power of sin, you are a child of God, as the psalm puts it. You can live... For Christ and die to sin so that's the first thing it means second thing it means is that as the person is lifted out of the water that is symbolic of Christ being raised from the dead and just as Christ was raised physically from the dead so a person is spiritually raised up with new life to live in the power of the Holy Spirit a life following and serving Jesus So the benefit in this life, Steve Steve and Sue, is that you get new power and resources in you by the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus, with him as your captain. You're under his authority and you can live that way because you have new power living in you. You have the Holy Spirit, God's breath living in you. But there's also a benefit eternally. Not only do you get to benefit in this life by knowing that your sins are forgiven, by knowing that you are children of God, You also get to benefit eternally because just as Christ was raised from the dead physically, so when he returns at the end of the age, you will be raised up with new glorified resurrected bodies and you will live as heirs, as sons and heirs. You will inherit a new heaven and a new earth with Jesus and all believers. Isn't that wonderful? There'll be no more death, no more decay, no more sickness, no more injustice, no more pain, no more sorrow. And you get to inherit that as sons, as adopted sons. Isn't that glorious? Now, sometimes I'm not a particular uh, person who is into detail. I'm a big picture person. But just in this passage, some detail is helpful. Um, Paul uses the language of in, into and with to describe um, how, as Christians, we are united to Jesus. In... Into and with. We are clothed with Christ. We are baptized into uh, Christ. Um, That's what he says. And the definition of union with Christ is this it is the sharing of believers in the life of Jesus Christ by faith, allowing them to share in all the benefits and riches that result from that should be his person and work. So, The captain wins the victory for the team, and all the team, all the Christians, get to benefit in the captain's victory. We get to benefit in the victory of Jesus Christ over sin and death in this life and in the next, because we are united with Christ. We are in him, we are with him, and we are baptized into him. We live in him, through him, and with him. But how exactly do we get to share in the benefits of Christ's death and resurrection? Well, Paul tells us in verse 26, here it is. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. By trusting in Jesus, we are forgiven and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As, Paul, as Peter says in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, as we turn away from ourselves to live for Christ, we repent, and as we are baptized as an outward symbol of forgiveness and receiving of the Holy Spirit, we are adopted as sons into God's family. Um, Galatians 4 puts it like this. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Isn't that wonderful? Um, Stephen Sue, you can cry out now, Abba, Father, Daddy to God in heaven, dear Father, because the Holy Spirit has adopted you into God's family. That's how intimate, personal the relationship is. Because the Holy Spirit lives into you, in you, you have a change of status. You are now adopted sons and daughters. Um, anybody, re- anybody not realise that you're royalty this morning? Aren't you a royal priesthood? A holy nation? a people belonging to God? Okay, who, so who's... Yeah... Just to say, you are a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I don't know how you're feeling this morning, but I want to say over you, you are a son of the King. You are a son of God through faith in Jesus Christ. If you've trusted in him and turned away from your sin, you are a son of God. If you're royalty, which you are if you're a Christian, please don't move to Canada All right, stay here. We need you. All right. Please stay here. Are you you a son of God, though? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you repented and turned away from living for yourself and turned to living for Jesus? Steve said, and rightly, this is for all of you. It's not just for Steve and Sue. This is an offer that God makes to all of you. He sent his son because he loved the world so much to die for you and to rise again, that you too, by faith, can be adopted into his family, right? So why don't you make that step of faith today? Why don't you find someone who's a Christian at the end of the service and say, I want this. I want to know that I'm a son of God. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. The past is dealt with. I want to know where I'm going when I die. I want to know the meaning and purpose and joy and peace and contentment in life. I want to know God. Because that's what Steve and Sue have found. They've found joy and peace and contentment and a reason to live and life beyond death as well. And that's for all of you who will trust in Jesus Christ. And you can have this wonderful intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit in you. You can call out Daddy to God, dear Father, in prayer. Isn't that wonderful? Now, some take offense at using the masculine word sons to refer to all Christians. So, some newer translations of the Bible have translated children, all right? Now, before we um, get too inclusive with our language, um, we should remember that there's a reason that Paul uses sons here. In ancient cultures, daughters could not inherit property, right? Right? So if you were a female, you were excluded from inheritance. So do you see what Paul's doing here by calling women and men sons of God? He's saying that you all get to inherit the benefits and blessings of Christ. Whether you're male or female doesn't matter. You're all sons. You're all legal heirs. Not just the the blokes. The women get to be heirs of Christ's eternal inheritance as well. So I don't want to change the language too quickly. It is true that we are children. It says so in John 1 verse 12. But actually here, Paul is making a point about being adopted sons because it's the sons who get to inherit the eternal inheritance of Christ. So I don't want to change the language too quickly here because there's good news for women and men here. We're all inheritors through faith in Christ. But Christians don't just get to share in Christ's inheritance in the future, in a new heaven and a new earth. There are benefits in this life, verse 27. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So, Steve and Sue, you have new clothing. You are clothed with Christ by faith. Um, What does that mean? Well, it means four wonderful things, actually. Um, Clothing is about identity, isn't it? Anybody anybody here who has a uniform for work? Anybody? Uniforms? Yeah, a few of you. Anybody used to wear a uniform at work? Yeah, there's a few more. All right. We wear uniforms. Um, I I do have a collar at home, but I tend not to wear it because I don't like it. I don't like wearing a collar. I, I don't... It just doesn't mean any much to me really if I'm honest. If somebody asks me to wear it for a funeral, I will wear it but I don't put a lot of stock in it personally. But there are uniforms, <laughs> there are uniforms that we wear because they give us identity. So if you're a police officer or a fire officer or in the army, yeah we've got a few army people haven't we? If you're in the army or ex-army, you get to wear a uniform. You, are, you have a new status, a new role, and you are under new authority when you join the police force or the army. And by being clothed with Christ, we have a new identity and we are under new authority. When we put our trust in Jesus, we wear the uniform of Jesus we are under His authority. We are—we have a new identity as adopted sons. Secondly, clothing demonstrates how close our relationship is to Christ. Um, I'm guessing that probably clothing is our most um, personal possession in many ways, isn't it? Because it's the closest to us, right? Um, I'm not talking about your whole wardrobe. It'd be a bit weird if you put on your whole wardrobe this morning and came in here. You'd be like Michelin Men and Women, wouldn't you? You're hardly able to move. All right. I just mean the clothes you've got on now are closer to you as a possession than any other possession, right? Physically. Yeah. Do you get? Do you get where I'm going here? All right. So it demonstrates clothing demonstrates how personal our relationship is to Christ. Um, and sometimes you can even smell the aftershave or the perfume on the clothing that's been worn can't you that's how intimate clothing is that's how close it is to us um, everywhere you go your clothes go okay we hope <laughs> thank you for uh, getting dressed this morning by the way Just as we can feel our clothes on our bodies, we remember that Christ is close to us, goes everywhere with us, everywhere we go during the day. So whether you're at work, whether you're on the school gate, whether you're in the factory, workplace, Christ is with you and we can relate to him, talk to him because he's closer to us than our clothes. Third, to wear Jesus' clothes means to imitate him. The Bible uses the putting on of clothes as a metaphor for putting on the character and teachings and behaviour of Jesus. Um, in a little while, after we've um, been baptised, we're going we're to have to change our clothes and put on dry clothes. And the Bible says that putting on clothes is a metaphor for putting on clothes the teachings and behaviour and character of Christ. So as we pray and read the Bible every day, we put on the teachings and character of Christ. Fourthly and lastly, being clothed with Christ means being made acceptable to God. Um, In the garden, Adam and Eve sinned, and they became aware of their nakedness. Their their shame became apparent to them before God. And they were... um, they were clothed as a result of their shame and nakedness. And uh, in the same way, as Christians, we get to be clothed and our nakedness and shame is covered, not by our own righteousness, but by Christ's righteousness. Um, is any, was anybody ever um, baptised in the old baptismal robes with the weights at the bottom? Hands up. Anybody? Yeah, a few of you. They... Back in the day, there used to be these little um, lead sort of weights in, in the bottom of the robe. And people used to get baptised in these robes. And that was symbolic that by faith they had been clothed in Christ's righteousness, right? It wasn't that they were righteous in themselves. It was that they had been clothed in Christ's righteousness. And Stephen Sue, you have been clothed in Christ's righteousness by faith. So when God sees you both, he doesn't see your sin and your guilt and your shame. He sees the robe of his son covering your sin and guilt and shame. Isn't that wonderful? So he calls you his children, his sons, and he declares that you are righteous in his sight because you are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. And that's true for all of us who are Christians. God does not see us in our sin. He sees us clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus. And um, when we know who we are in Christ, when we're confident that we've been clothed with Christ, that we're righteous in God's eyes, when we know that um, the Holy Spirit lives in us, when we know we've been forgiven, when we know we have power to live a new life, we should get on with living a life of following Jesus. We should put on the clothes of Christ every day in prayer and Bible study and get on with living out the behaviour, the attitude, the teachings of Jesus. Because that's who you are now. You are sons of God. You have a new status. You have new power to live for him, to die to sin and to live for him. And that's true of all of us who are Christians. It doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian two weeks or 20, 20 years or 70 years. The call is the same on you today. Die to sin, live for Christ. Clothe yourself with Christ every day as you remember that you are adopted sons and that you have a new status and a new power to live Christ's way. Let's pray.